Welcome back, watch people, and it's time for your questions, my answers, episode 13. But before we get into questions and answers, um, I want to do an update on the video that I posted on Thursday um, about potentially putting on an event somewhere in the UK, um, a watch people's event, if you like, whatever you want to call it. And it was an idea that had been running around in my head for some time. And I put it out to you guys on Thursday and the response has been unbelievable. Um, I've had lots and lots of people calling me, dealer friends, etc., etc., saying they'd be interested. Um, lots of members of the public leaving messages in the comments section. And a few other people have contacted me with all different sorts of ideas. And it's, look, first of all, the good news is this is going to happen. Okay, so there's two things that I'm going to announce tonight um, um, and they're, both, I think, very exciting news. The first thing is, this is definitely going to happen. I'm definitely going to do it. And I'm going to announce the um, the place, the, the area where it's going to take place. Because right now, I haven't got a date. Um, I haven't got a precise venue. Um, and I haven't got sort of anyone that I'm going to confirm as, as being attendees, if you like. That's all to come and we'll, you know, we'll build up to it. Um but what I have decided is that it's definitely going to happen and it's going to happen in Brighton. And the reason it's going to happen in Brighton is because, look, guys, if you know Brighton, you probably haven't got to be told why I've chosen Brighton. Um, but I think the main thing is, is that I only live about 20, 25 minutes from the city centre. And to be honest with you, I think as this date approaches, whatever date we decide upon, I'm probably going to need to be at that venue almost on a daily basis. Now, if I took it to the Midlands, even if I took it to central London, um, and I have to be honest that probably after Brighton, the Midlands was probably my second choice because it's kind of central in the UK, but I couldn't possibly travel um, from Brighton to the Midlands, you know, three, four, five times in a week. Uh, it, it just wouldn't be feasible. So I've chosen Brighton. Uh, and if that disappoints anyone, I'm sorry, but to make up for that, I think if you have never been to Brighton before, you're in for an unusual and a, and a cracking weekend. I mean, look, it, it said that you can eat out in Brighton for two years and never have to eat in the same restaurant um, twice. There are many pubs, clubs of all different types. Um, it's an amazing city. It is a fun, fun city. And if you've never been to Brighton before, you're going to love it. And I meet a lot of people who live in Brighton from all parts of the UK. And uh, when you talk to them, you say, uh, oh, you're obviously not from around here. Where do you come from? And, um, you know, he might say, oh, I come from Bradford. I only came down for the weekend and ended up moving here. That's the sort of place that Brighton is. So you won't be disappointed. I promise you that. I'm going to find a cracking venue. Um, and date-wise, I don't know how much work this is going to take. Let's just say at the moment that's to be confirmed, but it will be this year. Uh, so something really to look forward to. Now, the reason that I've announced that tonight is um, I have put uh, a new page up on my website. I'm going to put the address in for that. And what I'm looking for right now is I'm looking for anyone that would be interested in attending this show um, from a trade viewpoint. In other words, are you a watch dealer that would like to come and sell, buy, etc. at this watch fair? Um, 
I already have a small group of watch dealers, three or four or five watch dealers who I trust implicitly. Um, let me make this very clear right from the outset. Um, the criteria is that we're going to be extremely strict with who is allowed um, to come and sell at this watch fair. Everyone has got to be 100% above board and you know everything has got to be exactly as it should be so if you're an honest decent trader an honest decent dealer um there's a good chance that i'll know you anyway but look get in touch via the website register your interest there's going to be a lot of people at this show trust me and it's well worth um it's going to be well worth your while to be there um i'm looking for other people as well i'm looking for um other areas of interest i'm looking for people to bring stuff to the show i want it to be different and i've already been approached by um one of the biggest retailers of high-end motor vehicles in the southeast and they've offered to maybe bring some high-end cars along i've had a gentleman who is a specialist in cigars and whiskey um, has said that he would be prepared to come along so you, you kind of get the drift what i want to do is put on an event that is purely watch based it's you know 99.9% watches but there's going to be other things there the big boys toys um things that we're all going to appreciate and but uh, mainly it will be of course it will be watches so don't forget that page has now been set up on my website uh, at www.watchdealers.com um any traders any dealers anyone that thinks they have something to offer the show please get in touch via uh, my website uh, as far as the public's concerned, as far as viewers are concerned, um, don't worry at the moment, there's no tickets available, there's not even a date set. Um, what we're gonna do is, as soon as we get a date and a venue set, I'll let you know and that's when tickets will be available and uh, I'm gonna try and keep them as reasonable as I possibly can. Bear in mind, as I said to you before, this is not pretend, you know, it's not about a money-making issue for me. I mean, I'd like to make a profit, that would be brilliant. Um, but I don't want to make a loss either. Uh, and, and putting on events like this are not cheap, especially in a town like Brighton where everything is um, not the cheapest in the world. You know, it's like a, a, a London by the sea, if you like. So what else are we looking for potentially? Sponsors, advertisers, anyone that can bring something to the table for the show and for the people that are gonna attend the show. That's the main thing. So I'm really excited about this. I hope you guys are too. I'd like to get in people from all over the world, you know, other YouTubers. If you're a watch person on YouTube and you fancy coming, look, you know, honestly, I don't care where you come from, come down, get on the plane, get on the train, come to the show, um, come and meet everyone and um, let's see if we can like pull this watch community um, in a bit tighter okay so we're straight into questions and answers in just a second but before we do i just want to say hello to david that uh, he runs a channel called just horology and i've only actually watched one of his videos to be fair it was a video that he made in response to one of my videos about the rolex bubble um, and it was one of the few videos that i actually clicked on and watched from start to finish and i thought it was brilliant so if you haven't seen david's channel just horology well worth a look and um you know pop over there and subscribe give him some support because uh, he's trying hard and he looks like he's got a bit of a future on youtube okay so let's get straight into the questions and answers now um noel dublin and i'm not sure if that's noel from dublin or if uh, that is his name noel dublin but noel says i'm going on the waiting list in dubai for a stainless steel rolex model which one do you think i should go on the list for um 
however, a Daytona is out of budget. Um, he likes the Batman. Well, the thing is, Noel, there's a couple of issues there. I don't know if you live in Dubai, but if you don't, um, bringing that watch back into the UK or indeed into Ireland, if that's where you are, is a bit of a problem. You need to look into that. I've done a video on that issue. Um, to be honest with you, mate, I think at the moment, the way things are, we're still watches. I don't think you're going to pick up much in Dubai. And uh, if you're going to go on the waiting list out there, you might as well go on the waiting list here because it probably ain't going to happen in either country. Um, the main um, suppliers of Rolex in Dubai are Siddiqui and Son. Um, they're absolutely huge. They have wonderful stock, um, but they have some of the highest end customers that the world could ever see. And um, I doubt if um, an honourable gentleman from Dublin is any going to get anywhere near uh, the top of one of those lists, I'm afraid. So sorry, Noel, might not be what you want to hear, mate, but um, I'd start to look around in the second-hand market if I was you. Um, 888 Kingster, uh, he says, what would you advise me? My Growl watch is a Redline Sea Dweller. I can't afford one yet. However, I'm working my butt off to afford it maybe in the next five years or so. Um, my wife also wants a Rolex. Therefore, I will buy her piece first in order to build up a relationship with my authorised dealer. In my town, there is only one authorised Rolex dealer, which is part of a big nationwide chain. Um, I already have some history there because my wife has already purchased a Reverso there and both our watches have been serviced there. What would you advise me? Well, great email and a good question. But I think it's, again, unfortunately, the same as Noel. There's, there's a, a shade of innocent naivety there in the respect that I doubt there's going to be much point going on that list. I mean, look, there's no harm in being on that list with your authorised dealer, but I certainly wouldn't be spending money in that store in the false hope of picking up a still sports, mo a still sports model in the future because it's probably not going to happen. You know, I go back to my video that I made, what is it, a week or so ago now about this Rolex bubble and my belief that Rolex are trying to leave some of their old type of clientele behind them, move, moving up into the higher echelons with the Patek Philippe customers. I don't think you're ever going to get this watch out of that authorised dealers, especially if they're part of a big nationwide chain. Um, again, I would advise you to buy it as quickly as you can because I think prices are only going to, ever going to go up and it says here that you know you're looking at maybe five years down the line that's a long time in the world of Rolex I would perhaps maybe rethink the whole thing that's uh, that would be my advice maybe not the best answer if you're in the world but I wouldn't put too much uh, you know hope into a, an authorised dealership by spending some money in the hope of getting something better I don't really believe in this Sam N, uh, he says, um, if you could get into a Rhodium Vold Oyster Perpetual 39 that is relatively mint or an Explorer 216570 that shows its age for a thousand more, I'm not sure if that's a thousand dollars or a thousand pounds more, which way would you head? Well, personally, I'd always buy the sports watch. So it's a very short answer to that. The uh, you say it shows a little bit of signs of age, but that can always be serviced by Rolex, refinished by an expert refinisher, and that watch will look mint again. And personally, I would always go for the sports model because I think long-term it's going to give you a better yield, and I think it's a safer bet. Now, Julian writes in, and he's got uh, three questions, and they're all pretty good, so I'm going to tackle them all for you, Julian. And the first one is, it says, when buying more expensive pieces in the used market, 
How do you get comfortable with the fact that the movement has not been altered or replaced? Now, Julian, I thought that was a brilliant question. And it's one that is gonna take um, quite a bit of answering. Um, and there's gonna to have to be a high degree of honesty about it. A lot of people are not gonna like the answer, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. The vast majority of watch dealers, when they purchase watches, and they are not gonna like me for telling you this, the vast majority never ever go into the back of a Rolex or any watch that they buy. That's the vast majority of them. And the reason they don't do that, and the good news is, there's good news attached to this as well, it's not as dramatic as it sounds. The reason that they don't go into the back of these watches is because they're so good at what they do that they can tell from the outside that the watch is correct. They don't really need to get inside to see the engine when they can see that the bodywork is just as it should be. Now, you could argue against that. You could say, well, you know, your question is, how do you know that the movement hasn't been replaced or altered? It's very unlikely that it's been altered. I mean, you know, it's possible that you could have had a bad watchmaker in there, sure, but it's unlikely. And so, so the likelihood of it being altered is very, very slim. The likelihood of it being replaced, in my opinion, is virtually zero, and I'll tell you for why. You're not gonna produce uh, if, if people were faking movements, they're not gonna buy a genuine Rolex and then put a fake movement inside it. So I've never seen, I've never seen on its own a fake Rolex movement for sale from anyone. I've never seen, I've never been offered, I've never seen one in the trade, I've never seen one in my travels. I've never seen a fake Rolex movement on its own. Um, but I have of course seen plenty of fake cases, plenty of fake what is plenty of fake this, plenty of fake that. So the likelihood of a fake movement being inside a genuine Rolex is extremely, extremely thin, firstly to the point of zero. I suppose what I'm saying, Julian, is that who on earth is gonna remove a genuine Rolex movement from a genuine Rolex watch to replace it with a fake movement? And then even if they did, what are they gonna do with the genuine movement? It, it, of course it has value, but you've got to have a watch for that movement. And um, there's no point in putting a genuine movement in a fake watch, it just wouldn't make sense. And that's why um, the vast majority of watch dealers trust the inside of the watch as long as the outside of the watch is right. And there's also other little telltale signs, you know, have the teeth on the back of the watch, have they have they been played around with, have they been taken off by an amateur, etc., etc. There are other little telltale signs um, but trust me when I tell you, honestly, it's the chances of a movement of being played around with or replaced is so slim, it's not one that has ever really concerned me. And I've never actually known, ever, for a genuine Rolex watch to show up with a fake Rolex movement. N never happened that I'm aware of, I've never seen it. Now Julian's second question is another good one, and that's why I've chosen to answer all of his questions tonight. Could you do a video with some additional tips on how to spot a watch that's been polished versus unpolished? And what are the giveaways, um, especially on the more vintage Rolex models or, or any watch? We keep saying Rolex, but any watch really. Well, it's a great question again, Julian. And I could make a video on that, but it'd be quite difficult to show you. It's probably a little bit easier to tell you. 
I think that when you are buying a watch with some age, so let's say we're talking about a watch that's five years old or more. Now, I don't consider that a watch that is five years old to have any real age, but it's been alive and in this world long enough for someone to have abused it, hasn't it? Um, I mean, I've seen watches that are a year old that have had a hard life. I've seen watches that are 30 years old that look like they've just come out of the showroom. Um, but five years, if we use that as a yardstick, five years in general, that's the sort of period where if the watch has been sold, if it's been passed on, if it finds its way into the hands of a dealer um, or to a, a new private owner that wants it to look a bit more up to scratch, if you like, that it's likely to go off to a polisher, to a refinisher. If it's a modern watch or if it's any watch really, I think that if you receive a watch, let's say a five-year-old Rolex Datejust, let's just use that for an example, or if we use a five-year-old Amiga Seamaster, and this watch is absolutely pristine, it's mint, it's like new. Now, the seller has either got to be telling you that he's bought it brand new and he's never worn it, it's been in his safe for all of its life and it's never been worn, or He's probably got to own up to the fact that actually this watch has just come back from a service or he's taken it somewhere and had it refinished or if it's a dealer selling it you'd be well within your rights to say to him look has the watch been polished uh, and then obviously you've got to decide whether you trust that dealer enough to have employed a professional polisher or refinisher to do the job he mentions vintage pieces here now my um, idea of a vintage watch is something that's really like pre-1975 you know pre-1980 pre let's say um, now if you again if you get a gold watch that's pre-1980 if you get a gold watch that's pre-2010 you are going to get a lot of hairlines a lot of marks on that soft metal um, if you get a brand new 18 karat gold watch of any brand and you just rub your finger quite hard on it like that you will mark that gold you will put hundreds and hundreds of very small barely visible to the naked eye but they will be to an eyeglass remember the eyeglass i told you to buy guys yeah um now that even that even the, the rubbing of your fingers will put fine hairline marks on that gold now a professional polisher using like a lamb's wool um, cloth um, or, or wool, I should say, um, will be able to polish them out to the point where the gold again comes up to like a mirror finish. And the same can be done with stainless steel. So if you're looking at a watch that's five years old or more, and this watch is like a mirror finish, a mirror finish, it is perfect. The watch has almost certainly been refinished or polished because otherwise it just wouldn't look that good. Even stainless steel can mark by hard rub finger rubbing. Uh, and you'll get these like what I call very fine hairlines. And you sometimes you have to turn the bracelet to get the right uh, light on it, just to see these little fine marks. To the naked eye, when you're looking at it straight on, you can't really see it. But when you turn it to the side, then you can see the hairlines. And if none of that is evident, it's certain signs that the watch has been polished. Now there's nothing wrong with a watch being polished. I've just seen a gold Submariner today that has just come back from Rolex. It's a, it was a 2017 model, um, come back from Rolex last week from a service and the watch is beautiful, it's mint. Um, I can see that the watch has been refinished, but to the naked eye, uh, or sorry, to the untrained eye, you would never ever know 
the watch is perfect and it's like brand new. So if the refinishing is done properly, um, doesn't have to be done by the manufacturers either because, you know, honestly, there are some superb refinishes out there who are absolutely top, top draw. And it's a skill that even I have managed to learn to a large degree over the years working with watchmakers, etc. I can refinish a watch to a very high specification, but it takes me a long time. It would do, it would take me about an hour or maybe an hour and a half to do, say, I don't know, an Explorer 2. It would take me an hour, an hour and a half to do that. And I couldn't do the bezel, by the way, not on an Explorer. That's a different kettle of fish. But um, good, a good refinishing job, I don't see anything wrong with it. The bad refinishing jobs are when they start, you know, you get some butcher that has got the watch against the wheel, is push, push, push with the wrong polish, you start to lose contours, you start to lose curves, um, you start to lose the shape of the case. You really, really don't want that because don't forget, if you get a dent in stainless steel or gold, once it gets to a certain depth, you cannot polish that out. Once it gets to a certain depth, you cannot polish that out. It has to be filled and then it has to be polished. So, And Julian's last question is, do you know if authorized dealers uh, and he uses a Rolex GMT as an example. For an example, would they get more pieces in years gone by than they do today? Um, or are they just reserved for um, preferential clients these days? So I think what Julian's saying is, was the availability easier back in the day than it is now? Unquestionably, Julian, it was. Um, even even the GMTs, you know, not so long ago, they were a shop window watch. They're not anymore. Hardly anything can still is a shop window watch anymore. So the simple answer to that is, I refer you back to my video that I did about the Rolex bubble, um, where I was predicting um, regular and quite large Rolex price increases as they attempt to leave behind their old clients. That's my view. Um, I've heard today, and no, sorry, I heard yesterday, and I'm sure there's probably, you know, I'm not breaking this news because I, you know, I'm not anyone special. Like I heard today, uh, yesterday, that there's going to be a Rolex price increase within the next month, um, and it really wouldn't surprise me. And I don't think that will be, um, it will be too long before there's another price increase on top of that because without repeating myself, I've told you my theory is look, Rolex are seeing £9,500 Daytona is selling for £18,000. Why shouldn't they be selling them for £18,000? I'm not saying that they're going to put the price of a Daytona up to eighteen grand. What I'm saying is, is that, you know, someone said to me yesterday, look, a Rolex Daytona is not a £15,000 watch. It is. It's an £18,000 watch. A £20,000 watch. So why shouldn't they slowly but surely increase the price of that Daytona from 9550 to 15550 The grain market has proven that we will pay it, rightly or wrongly. Uh, John Barker, it's a short question from John. He says, hi, Paul. What are your thoughts on A. Langer's Honor as a watch brand? Um, I think they make some beautiful watches. Look, A. Langer's Honor, masterpiece, beautiful watches. Um, up, right up there with Patek Philippe, in my view. The only problem with the brand for me is that they're too reserved. They are a watch wearer's watch, um, you know, and what I mean by that is they are a real connoisseur's piece. They are beautiful masterpieces of horology, uh, and I have ab every admiration for that brand. Whenever I'm in Germany, 
um, I spend as much time as I can looking at their range and you know just to try one on is a, is a pure pleasure and an honor but they're not for me um, from a looks point of view from an aesthetics point of view they don't really I can't say they don't do anything for me no that's not the right expression I admire them immensely um, but I wouldn't particularly want to wear one so I guess that's where I'm at with uh, with that particular brand but as far as the brand and the watches that they produce is concerned, top, top, top draw. Uh, Steve Burbage comes up with a great point and uh, should have covered this question a long time ago. I don't know why I've not. He says, hi, Paul, is it best to separate your watch from its papers? Say, for example, the papers at home and the watches in the bank safe deposit box. Steve, why didn't I think of this before? It should have come out ages ago. Yes, absolutely. Separate your box. Um, and your papers from your watch, 100%. However, I also have to tell you that that's probably how about 90% of Rolex papers or any brand papers get lost. And this is actually quite funny because when I had my shop, when I was retailing, people would say to me, I'd, I'd offer them a watch and I'd say, it's watch only, no papers. And they would say to me, so where's the papers? And I always wanted to laugh because like, you know, like it's almost, I'm not a psychic detective. I don't know where the papers are. I didn't lose them, you know. So that's the trouble with that one, Steve. It's like, if you've got a good memory, that's absolutely fine. But, and I'm sure that you have, mate, right? But I can tell you now, there's a lot of people out there that put their watch in the safe at home or wherever, or they're wearing it. They hide the papers up somewhere in the loft or in the kitchen behind some cans of baked beans or whatever, lo and behold, six months later, they haven't got a clue where they are. Um, so if you do do that, and it is a good idea, make sure you write it down somewhere or you've got a blooming good memory. Now, lastly, for this episode of Your Questions, My Answers, because this one has gone on for far too long, um, Gibson's dog has sent me probably my favorite question this time around. And I tell you why, because I just think it's a cracker. He's brought up the subject of the Rolex GMT Master 2 in Everolds Gold reference 126715CHNR. That's a mouthful, isn't it? And I'll pop uh, a picture of that watch up in the uh, on the screen there. Now he says, Paul, what do you think of this watch as an investment? I'm tempted to put my name down for one, but I noticed that prices of secondhand pieces are still around retail. Do you think it could be a good short-term investment? Now, I've studied that question really carefully, and I'm going to say the answer to that question is no. I don't think it's a good short-term investment because at the end of your um, question there, uh, you, you are talking about essentially a really stunning, beautiful watch. I actually love the look of that watch. I see two problems with it. It's pink gold. That's the first problem I see, and I think pink gold is on the downward spiral to some degree. I'm not saying it's fallen off the edge of the cliff. I'm just saying I think it's got its toes over the edge. I think yellow gold is making a big comeback. So again, I refer to the end of your question, short-term investment. And the other issue that I see with this watch from a short-term viewpoint is that uh, it's not particularly cheap and it's not particularly popular. Um, I don't see many people uh, crying out for this watch. So in this, again, the answer is short term, no. If I was gonna buy that watch brand new today, I'd still be looking for a discount. I would not wanna pay list price for that watch, if I'm frank. 
Um, you know, I don't know. I haven't looked at the prices recently for this particular model, oddly enough, because no one's been asking me about one. But um, the problem I see with it is, is, you know, in the short term, I don't think you're going to make any money on it. Now, long term is a different kettle of fish altogether. Any watch like that long term will represent uh, a decent, a, a, I don't know if investment's the right word. You should get a return on your money on that watch in the long to medium to long term. What sort of period are we talking about? Five years um, as medium term, long term, 10 years plus. Long term, no problem. Short term, I don't think so. Medium term, not too bad. You know, look, I might be wrong with a watch like this. Who knows what the next watch that John Mayer is gonna review. Uh, and tell everyone that it's going to be rare and scarce and um, that you should buy one. You know, he, he could pick the GMT Master 2 in Everose. And, and if he does, who knows? But in my view, from this YouTuber, uh, I'm kind of just saying, I don't think so. But don't let me stop you or do not let my information stop you from buying that watch. It is a beautiful, beautiful watch with the colour scheme on it, with, you know the brown and the black and the rose gold. It's just a little bit too pinky for me, all a little bit too pinky and a bit browny. Um, and I'm not sure that it works, but there's gonna be a lot of you out there that would disagree with that and I wouldn't blame you. It's a beautiful watch, um, but in, you know, the bottom line is not for the short term. You're probably gonna lose a bit of money still on that watch, particularly if you try and sell it back to a dealer. So just be careful as always. So that's it for now. Thanks for watching um, the next edition of your questions my answers will be my first sponsored edition um i believe so at least i mean i'm waiting for the dealer to come back from holiday i'm going to do a podcast with him introducing to you and then he's going to sponsor this show um, and i might even try and drag him on to take part um, in some of these questions and answers uh, videos because you know you guys don't want to listen to my opinions every time i want to try and bring you something different that's what the show is all about um, it's not my show, it's your show. So ultimately, I'll try and do whatever's best for you. So thanks for watching and I'll catch up with you again soon. Have a great weekend.